Well, good morning, one and all. It's a beautiful morning here. I'm in the medic cave. You can't see it because this is a podcast. But uh, I'm staring at a beautiful trifold screen of New York City, which is my bedroom door. And sipping a cup of Starbucks. I know we've had some issues with this blog and we've tried to get it up and put it out there and we've gone back to video blogging for a while and then we've dropped off of that and everything else. So before we get into the meat and the potatoes of this thing, today let me talk to you a little bit about what's been going on with me. Um, Some of you know, some of you don't know. Um... Back before Christmas, I had a seizure. I have never had one before. And uh, since that time, I've had two. Um, Two seizures in about three months. So, no driving for the old man. uh, No medicking, no nothing like that. Um, uh, The no medicking part comes from the six, six broken vertebrae in my back. Um, don't know exactly what we're going to do with that plan yet, whether it's just going to be a brace, whether we're going to do surgery, or or where we're at. I saw the orthopedic surgeon yesterday. Uh, He wants to do some more testing, MRIs, things like that, and we'll go from there. Um, it hurts, like the Dickens, and uh, I've had a lot of time to catch up on Shark Tank at night. Um, so I may come up with the next million dollar idea. I don't know. But anyway, that's where I'm at. Um, health-wise. Uh, where am I geographically? Well, geographically, I'm in Cincinnati. Well, technically, I'm in Cheviot. Uh, which is just over the line from Cincinnati. Um, living with my best friend. Uh, running his upstairs. Having a good time. Um, Getting settled in. Still got stuff in Lexington and Nicholsville. I got to go pick up and, you know, bring up here and, you know, unpack my clothes and everything and do all that. Um, Just got back from Lexington yesterday, actually. Uh, Actually, the night before. And uh, Sam, I worked her appointment yesterday. But, uh... Things are good there. Now, am I practicing medicine? There has been some rumors I have heard that I am no longer practicing. Um, I am right now what you would call semi-retired. I don't know what my body will allow me to continue to do. Um, I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt my partner, and I certainly don't want to hurt a patient. And it's not driving for three months means I can't be behind the wheel. And that's not fair to my partner. So I have chosen to step back away from the career for a little while and see kind of where we go. Uh, That having been said, if anybody knows any good dispatch positions, I can ride a desk chair like nobody's business. Um, 
So that's all that. You may notice my speech sounds a little funny. Um, that's because courtesy of the seizure, I decided to bite through my tongue not once but twice. And I don't know if it's permanent or if it'll heal up over time, but it's getting better. So, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about the fun stuff. We spent four and a half minutes talking about me. Let's talk about you. Um, first of all, I hope that all of my previous coworkers, wherever you are, wherever you are in the world, wherever you are in the U.S., I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're saving lives and breaking hearts. Um, kind of want to do this post. This blog is kind of an opening post, if you will. Kind of just gloss over some things we want to talk about, you know, things like that. You know, we're going to talk about the obvious stuff. We're going to talk about medicine. We're going to talk about uh, paramedics with degrees. That's for you, David Pfeiffer. Uh, we're going to talk about um, fire EM, fire-based EMS versus private EMS. Is one better than the other? You know, I have a lot of different topics that I've got laid out, but unfortunately they're on my iPad, and that's what I'm on right now, so I have to make do with it. Um, but let's go, let's rewind and let's go back 20 plus years when I was young. How did I get into this? I've told this story a few times throughout the years, but how did I get into this? Well, I got into this, I was in front of the house manager at a restaurant. Lead server, front of the house manager, whatever you want to call it. And guys from the license and fire department would come in all the time for lunch. And it seemed like I always got them. And I asked them one time what it took to be an EMT, because... I remember watching Johnny and Roy when I was a kid, and I thought that was pretty cool. And they gave me their business card, and they said, we've got a class starting up soon, why don't you give us a call? Well, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I said, what the hell? For the first time in my life, I found something I actually enjoyed. I actually enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed studying it. And I enjoyed doing it. Now, it was nothing like I envisioned. I thought I was going to start IVs and pop caps like Johnny and Roy and push meds and do all this fun stuff. And it didn't happen because that's not what EMTs do. But what I did get was a solid foundation and... There's two people that, in this blog, I want to thank for that, and that's Joe Kenny and uh, Glenn Phillips. They taught that class, and they were phenomenal. I learned so much from those guys. Um, if you see Joe, and you mention my name, he'll tell you that I was the fastest test taker he's ever seen. And uh, I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but I never scored 
poorly on him, so must have been all right. But anyway, that was at the for sales fire volunteer fire department, and I enjoyed it. Made a lot of good friends, some of whom I think are still in the industry, and many of whom I'm sure have gone on to bigger and better things, or just gotten tired and tired out like I did. Um, so that was, those are the first two people I wanted to thank. And then, uh, from there, where does a new EMT go? Well, you can go to the fire department, but I really didn't want to do that. I was a little older than the average EMT, and I didn't feel like I wanted to be part of that. So I kind of narrowed my options down to private EMS. And that's kind of what this this podcast is going to be about. It's about private EMS. Private EMS gets a really bad reputation, you guys. And, and, and we all know it. We all do it. I'm guilty of it, too. Private EMS gets a bad rap because we say that Sorry, I had to sip my beverage. Um, they get a bad rap because we say things like they take brand new EMTs and they ruin them. They destroy their skill sets. They burn them out. You know, all these things. And it's true, they do. But it's not an intentional burnout. It's not an intentional thing that they do. They have a job. They have contracts. They have a mission to fulfill just like anybody else. Now, granted, sometimes that mission seems overwhelming at times. We wonder if we're ever going to get through it. But inevitably, we do. Um, some of the things you can learn, some of the most valuable things you can learn in your career, you can learn in private EMS. I know what you're thinking. Private EMS can't teach me squat. I learned everything in school. And all these patients are stable. And they're just going back to nursing homes and everything like that. Which is true. They are. Or they're coming to or going from dialysis. That's true. Or doctor's appointments or whatever it might be. But there's always a stack of paper with them. There is nothing that stops you or prohibits you from looking through those papers. And you can understand diagnoses. You can look up their meds. And you'll be able to begin to tie medications to diagnosis. And you'll you'll build your knowledge base if you let yourself. I myself never could understand medications when I was an EMT. I couldn't pronounce half of them. I couldn't spell three quarters of them. And I didn't know what any of them did. But over time, I'd jot a note down the pad and I'd ask my partner, hey, what is this and what do you use it for? And I'd make a note. Somewhere in a box, I've got those notes. I don't know where they are, but they're, they are there. 
I enjoyed my time in private EMS. Um, it was different. It was, uh, I'd come to EMS from the food service industry. And there's a lot of parallels between food service and private, private EMS. No, we don't cook hamburgers out of the back of the truck and sell them out the side window. But what we do is we serve a client base. We serve a customer base. Take from your average dialysis patient. You're going to see that patient three days a week. Okay? You're either going to see them Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. But you're going to see them three days a week. Now... They're going to be miserable because they hurt. They're sick. They're dying. They know they're dying. But it's your job to give them the best meal possible. Set your table nice. Feed them good. Take them to dialysis. Talk with them about what they want to talk about, not what you want to talk about. It's never about you in the back of the truck. It's always about them. Talk to them about what they want to learn or what they want to know or some story from World War II that they want to share with you. That's what you can do for them to make their ride a little bit more enjoyable. Because they'll think, hey, this person cares about me. This person actually gives a damn. So, that's... That's what I got to say about privates. Now, when you're a county-based service, it's a little bit different. Your head gets swelled up a little bit. Your chest pops out, your shoulders drop back. Why? Because you're the only game in town. Somebody calls 911, guess what? They're getting you. Or the other crew. But they're getting you. For purposes of this discussion. And you better hope that your A game is coming with you. Because you could get toned out for ankle pain get on scene and they've got a left lower extremity that's beat red and swollen to the touch and hot but the pain is in their ankle what you're looking at potentially is a DVT But the pain is in their ankle. So now in 911, you've got to not only know your medicines and your diagnosis, but you have to know what's called differential diagnosis. And your differentials are what are going to save you or bury you. You know, your differentials are going to give you this whole big herd of cattle. And you're going to narrow it down to the one you're going to milk.
You gotta get, excuse me, coffee time. Thank you for bearing with me on that. You have to figure out the five or six things that are going to kill your patient right off the bat. Make sure they ain't got one of them big five. If if you've ruled out the big five, drop down and start looking at everything else that you know. Now, you don't have to be Dr. House and pop a Vicodin and walk with a cane and come up with weird off-the-wall diagnoses because nobody does. But what you need to be is a solid clinician. And what I mean by that is you need to know what you're looking at. What are these symptoms trying to... Symptoms are, are, are merely multiple voices trying to tell you the same thing. But they're telling it to you in different ways. So you've got to try to sort that out and figure it out. Um, sort them out if you have to, write them down on a piece of paper. Sometimes when we see something, it'll click in our head. Whereas if we just hear it, it goes in one ear and out the other. Now, I'm just talking about the initial phase of the patient encounter in this uh, episode. We're going to get more in-depth into examination and detail probably starting next week or next podcast. I may do another one today. I don't know. But... uh, we're we're just kind of touching over the basics, just glossing over some things that you need to kind of have in mind. You know, let's talk about the basic, real quick, let's talk about the basic tools for a couple of minutes. What should, what should go in the house? This, this has been debated time and time and time and time again. I have heard people say, bring in the heart monitor, bring in the drug box, bring in the oxygen caddy, bring in my innovation kit, bring in everything for a toothache. I've heard some people say, give me my stethoscope, that's all I need. Hell, I heard one medic say, give me a roll of duct tape. Now, who's right? Everybody's right. It goes to your comfort level. It goes to your comfort level, folks. You have to you have to have the tools you need, but you have to be comfortable with the tools that you have. And I want to focus on one thing that I mentioned because I see this a lot. Oh, and it burns my bacon. I'll see providers get out of the truck and they throw their stethoscope around their neck. We all do it. It's a cool guy look. 
But I also see those same providers never take that stethoscope off their neck. They don't use it. I watched years ago somebody I had a lot of respect for have a stethoscope around his neck, put a blood pressure cuff on their arm, pump it up, and palpate a blood pressure. Why would you do that? You have the correct tool to do the job. Have I palpated blood pressures? Yes. But it's only down and dirty if it's something really quick. I just need I just need to know if you got a radial pulse. That's all I'm really feeling for. But doesn't mean my way again, doesn't mean my way is the right way. But understand what you have at your disposal that you can use in your scope of practice. Obviously, in some states, EMTs can start IVs. In other states, EMTs can't even spell IV. So, understand what you have and what's at your what your what's available to you. Now, the last thing I want to touch on, and this is kind of a touchy subject, and I'm probably going to piss some people off, so I'm I'm expecting some comments on this. If we don't get any comments, I'll be amazed. But a vast majority of us took this funny thing called the National Registry Exam. And that test is geared to make EMTs call ALS backup for everything. Guys, if you notice real close, a lot of times when the medics get in the back of the truck with you, They're not doing anything more than you're doing. Think about that. I mean, yeah, we might start a line or something, but our fundamental care is the same. Now, if their blood pressure's in the tank, yeah, fluids are going to help bring them around. Dopamine will help bring them around. Dobutamine will bring them around. And we'll go over those later. But... Right now, I want you to think about the next time you call for an ALS intercept, I want you to watch and see what that medic does. And make some mental notes and ask him questions. You know, like, why did you choose to do this? Why didn't you do that? Some medics will get pissed off at you and question you, like, who who the hell do you think you are? You're somebody that wants to learn to be like them. And the only way we learn to be like somebody else is by finding out their thought process. So, don't be afraid to ask those questions. I tell my students, when or my ride-alongs, whatever I have, 
if we get something bad or critical and I do something crazy and you've never seen it before, right when I'm in the middle of doing it is not the time to ask me what I'm doing. Ask me at the end of the call. You'll remember it. But ask me at the end of the call. And I'll spend the whole way back to the, to the base telling you what, what I did, why I did it, how I did it, and what the thought process was. I'm a firm believer, folks, in smart EMTs. I want EMTs that can outthink me. As a paramedic, I need an EMT that can outthink me. And what I mean by that is I need an EMT that can anticipate what I'm going to do when I'm going to do it. That comes with time, patience, and practice. It comes with training with your partner one-on-one. -on -one. It takes up giving up a little bit of that recliner time that we like so much and going out in the bay and working up some scenarios. Not just for you, for the new guys too, because they've never seen that stuff. Take your time, learn it. Nobody is born to be a great EMT. Nobody is born to be a great paramedic. We all have to work at it every day. There's a ton of textbooks we have to read. There's a ton of doctors that we consult with. I'll be the first one to admit, I've gone into hospitals with patients, and I've looked at doctors and said, I don't know what the hell's wrong with them. I've come back two or three hours later, and I've asked the doctor what's wrong with them. They don't know what the hell's wrong with them. So I don't feel too bad when two of us don't know. So, with all that having been said, I'm going to close this one out for now because I want to drink my coffee while it's hot. Um, know that uh, all of you are in my prayers every night. I love each and every one of you. You mean the world to me. And every single one of you that I've been on the truck with, you've touched me one way or another. Some of you touched me inappropriately, and I didn't like that. But you touched me one way or another. And I'm glad that we were partners, and I hope that over the years I showed you some tricks and some tips. And that's what this blog post is going to be about. It's tips, trip, tips, trips, techniques, anything I can think of. And... If you guys have a topic that you want to hear about, that you want to learn something about, shoot me a private message. I would love to give back something you guys want to hear. We're going to have guest speakers on here too. I'll name a few because I'm sure they'll come on. I'll get a hold of them somehow. Um, I'd like to get David Pfeiffer on here. And I'd like him to address this whole uh, medics need degrees and I'd also like to talk to him a little bit about Red Star um, 
I'm not going to say anything else about Red Star. I'll let you guys investigate that on your own. Um, I'd like to get Dr. Walt Lubbers on here. I think Walt is an incredible physician and incredibly smart man, and I think he'd bring a lot to the podcast. Um, so I can get Floyd on here, Floyd Miracle. Uh, Floyd sounds like the teacher from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but he's a smart medic. Um, and then I'd like to get some of my older guys, uh, Charles Williams, uh, Billy Marsh, uh, Scott Coggins, um, Nadia Mullins is a flight nurse, um, my ex-mother-in-law, who's a NICU nurse. You know, we can all, all these things come together. Because I want to give you guys a resource that you can come back to and learn from. So, until next time, remember, an ambulance has two sides. A shiny side and a dull side. And you always want to land shiny side up.